I don't see Carl Strecker here this morning. Was it something I said? Carl, it's not the same without you. Come on. I hope you all got uh, some interesting things for Christmas. I know Zach got a hoverboard, and uh, I can't wait to try it out. That should be very interesting. I want to remind you that we're having communion after the message, and uh, hopefully you all got one of these little communion packets. If not, they're available at the back, so you can help yourself to those in preparation for communion. So this series is all about finding hope in the hard times. And we're not just talking about our own personal difficulties, but in those that occur on a global scale, like disasters, pandemics, wars, rumors of wars, and even in the last days. Last week we were in Psalm 46 and we talked about the end of the world. And today we're in Isaiah 46 and we're talking about the end of the empire. That was not the original title. The original title was uh, The End of the Empire Strikes Back, Awakening the Force as the Last Jedi Skywalker rises, brushes his teeth, and as a solo Rogue One prepares to face the Phantom Menace, the attack of the clones, and the revenge of the Sith. But it was a little bit long, so I, I shortened it. It's just called The End of the empire. And this chapter fits in very well with the theme of New Year because this actually describes not only a new year but a whole new age for the people that are being addressed because everything was made new. Not necessarily better, but definitely new. So as we prepare to dive into Isaiah 46, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness over this past year. Thank you for being with uh, our church family, for protecting us from this uh, terrible virus. Thank you for all those in our church family who have recovered. We think of Alfreda and Wally. We think of uh, Kurt and Ingrid Olke. We think of the Callens, Randall, Barb, Rochelle, and Sean. And uh, we pray for Barb, we continue to pray for her because she has asthma and so there are some, some lingering symptoms in her life. And we thank you that Phoebe was not uh, affected, she'd never tested positive and she just has a few more days of isolation left. So thank you Lord for being so faithful to us and to our church family. And thank you that that faithfulness will not be... Uh, that will not change. It will continue for this new year because uh, you are for us. So who can be against us? And so we, we approach this year with that confidence. And we thank you for your word this morning. May you speak to us through it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So what's been going on? Well, let me get you up to date. In 2020, while we, the ignorant masses of the middle classes here on Middle Earth, were desperately trying to survive, standing in line at the supermarket stockpiling Purex and Purell, meanwhile, our cultural elites and aristocrats were not remaining idle. They were up to something. 
And it was a diabolical combination of utopians with time on their hands. Lots of time. In fact, when they, uh, whenever they reflect on the state of the world, they seem to come up with ideas. And as we know, ideas can sometimes be dangerous things. So in 2021, while we the people will be standing in line to get vaccinated and trying to endure another Zoom session, these visionaries are considering the bigger picture. One of them, Klaus Schwab, the founder and chairman of the World Economic Forum, has coined an intriguing phrase for 2021 and beyond, the Great Reset. The idea is that this pandemic has exposed some deadly structural failures in capitalism. And that if these weaknesses are not addressed, the world will become less sustainable, more fragile and less equal. Therefore, we must build entirely new foundations for our economic and social systems. Because we can emerge from this crisis with a better world if we act quickly and jointly to revamp all aspects of our societies and economies. And of course, this requires stronger, more effective governments who have the courage to push the reset button. Now, this proposal got a host of amens from very, very powerful and influential people like Bill Gates and Prince Charles, Al Gore, even the Secretary General of the United Nations. And it fits quite nicely into President-elect Joe Biden's motto, Build Back Better. And in Canada, we've heard Justin Trudeau talk about this a number of times as well. So what are we waiting for? But why are all those red flags waving? Critics of the Great Reset Doctrine warn that elites are trying to harness disasters like this pandemic so they can push through policies that restrict democratic liberty and personal freedoms. And we've already seen this happening in Canada and even in Calgary. Because ideas can be dangerous things. The Russian Revolution was a great reset. So was the Third Reich. And if you're familiar with the book of Revelation, this actually is the kind of logic that the Antichrist would use. The Great Reset may turn out to be the brand name for the Great Beast. So is this the end times or what? I don't know, but it could be. It's beginning to smell a lot like apocalypse. Now, I hope I'm wrong. In 2020, there were some very, very interesting and even dangerous ideas swirling around. And they weren't all coming from Donald Trump. So should we be getting our torches and pitchforks and get ready to storm the castle because there's a mad scientist inside who's trying to reanimate some ideological rigor mortis? In any case, it's very likely that our world will not be the same. We all want to get back to the way things were, but it's very possible that we will not get that world back. It's going to look very, 
very different. Now, I don't know that for sure. Okay? I'm not a prophet, and I'm part of a church that's a non-profit organization. So, what do we know? But maybe this is the beginning of a brave new world. And that could be scary, but not fearful. Because God's people have survived great resets before. For example, in Isaiah 46, we read about the end of the empire and the beginning of a great reset. In its day, Babylon was the greatest country on earth. If that sounds familiar, we've had a number of those throughout history. It's kind of a self-appointed title. Babylon, Babylon. Babylon dominated the world scene with an iron fist and everyone was forced to conform to their worldview. Even your identity was redefined in Babylonian terms. That's why when the Hebrews were taken as prisoners of war after the Babylonian military superpower had destroyed Jerusalem, the survivors had to update their Facebook status. Pastor Ryan was talking about this when he uh, took us through the book of Daniel. Because Daniel was given a new name, a Babylonian name, Belteshazzar, in honor of their god, Bel. You see, Babylon had the greatest religion in the world. They worshipped Nebo and Bel in the most massive temples the world had ever seen. In fact, I'll bet the, one of the top-grossing movies of that era was Finding Nebo. It's, it's just a theory. So Daniel, whose name means God is my judge, becomes Belteshazzar, which is like a Babylonian prayer. Bel, protect his life. Daniel, you've got a new name. You're getting a new nature and a new God. Happy New Year. You're under new management. You better get used to it because this new world order will last a thousand years because Babylon was protected by a great, big, beautiful wall, an impregnable firewall that couldn't be hacked. Well, think of the shock when Isaiah predicts in chapter 46, verses 1 and 2, Bel bows down, Nebo stoops low, their idols are borne by beasts of burden, the images that are carried about are burdensome, a burden for the weary, they stoop and bow down together, unable to rescue the burden, they themselves go off into captivity. Are you kidding? The unthinkable has happened. Babylon has fallen into enemy hands. The city is being ransacked. Its temples are looted. And its great idols, Bel and Nebo, are being hauled off to the British Museum. Yes, indeed, Virginia, there's a new boss in town, the Persian Empire. So it's time for a great reset. Happy New Year. Everything's about to change. Pounds will be replaced by kilograms. Fahrenheit's becoming Celsius. The Encyclopedia Britannica is replaced by Wikipedia. Analog is out and digital is in. No more cassette tapes, no more fax machines, no more blockbuster. It's a whole new world. I mean, how would you even order at a drive-thru? I can't read Persian. Is that, is that a McRib or a McGoat? 
So the transition from Babylon to Persia was very traumatic and so sudden that it left everyone suffering future shock. And that's kind of what's been happening in Canada. We're just not prepared to cope with how fast everything is changing. I mean, throughout the history of our country, we have had a Judeo-Christian worldview with traditional family values. All of a sudden, an invasive species of progressive policies and ideas has spread and contaminated our ecosystem. Political correctness is no longer an option. It's mandatory. In fact, it's being forced on our children and grandchildren, even in kindergarten, and Christian parents are warned not to interfere. Free speech is disappearing like the VCR. We used to be able to agree to disagree. Not anymore. They can fine you $10,000 for your personal opinions. Meanwhile, there's this growing hostility towards evangelicals. We've been called everything from unscientific to un-Canadian. And this is all happening so fast, it's at warp speed, and it's warping our society. When the Great Reset comes, there could be a massive power surge for progressive policies that might even mean the end of capitalism and democracy. Because democracy is just too messy. It's too slow. There's, there's too much dissension. We need strong, effective leadership to make people conform. There was a lot of conformity in 2020. It was an example of what a government could do. It's hard to imagine that they're going to ever back down from that kind of power. So this new world order that we might see coming will probably be called Democracy Reimagined or rebranded as Democracy 2.0. And that future may not be friendly to people of faith, which is very disappointing, but not devastating. Although the Hebrews were reprogrammed to become Babylonian heathens, they kept their faith in spite of all the social upheaval, in spite of the pressure to conform to the pattern of the world. And that's also going to be our challenge. Because if the Great Reset takes away capitalism and democracy, it's not the end of the world. Because we should know better than to get too cozy with our culture. Democracy is not the same as the kingdom of God. They may be distant cousins, but they're not Siamese twins. And as you know, you don't marry your cousins. We believers must not be guilty of any ideological incest. And maybe, maybe this is exactly the reason why God is letting this happen. Because in Canada, Christianity became too dependent on the government. We've been too impressed with our seductive culture. So no wonder this ill-advised marriage is on the rocks. It's a classic case of irreconcilable differences. Maybe the separation of church and state will become a divorce. 
And although it will not put us on the right side of history, it will keep us on the right side of eternity. The Hebrews in Babylon knew they couldn't expect the government to be sympathetic to their convictions. But what about the Persians? Will they sponsor our spiritual aspirations? Probably not. Which leaves only one option. So whether it's the end of the world or the end of the empire, we always have one final option. Because our hope is in God alone. It's not in God and democracy. It's not in God and capitalism. It's not in God and free speech. It's not in God and religious liberty. Those are nice add-ons. Those are welcome perks. But our hope is in God alone. And that's what Isaiah 46 is all about. As the Babylonian Empire collapsed and the Persian Empire ascended, Isaiah had a message for the Hebrews who were caught in the crossfire of that great reset. And it was a message from God. Verse 3, Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all you who remain of the house of Israel, you whom I have upheld since you were conceived and have carried since your birth, even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. While everything was changing around them, the Hebrews were reminded to anchor themselves in those things which never change, like the promises of God. Just read the will. I will sustain you. I will carry you. I will rescue you. That's a promise. And that won't change. No circumstance, no political upheaval, no great reset can change the promises of God. Could you imagine what life would be like if God was forced to revise his promises in the light of current events? Listen up, folks. Uh, we had to institute some new immigration policies. So the promise in my father's house are many mansions, and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Well, that has to be suspended indefinitely. Unfortunately, the angels have submitted a restraining order. They don't want a lot of foreign refugees in their gated community. So we're looking for other options on Airbnb. Maybe even purgatory has some, some vacancies. And remember that I promised you all things would work together for good? Well, you know, really, that works best in a democracy where you have religious freedom. So we're sending that one back to committee for further review. We, we apologize for any inconvenience. And the promise that the meek will inherit the earth, well, ah, that's just not turning out the way we hoped. With a great reset taking effect, the earth is now in the grip of, grip of politically correct aristocrats who are cursed with power. The best we can do is maybe compensate you five cents on the dollar and give you a 10% Christian discount at Costco. 
offer valid Sundays before noon? What if God had revised his promises because of current events? We'd have no hope. That's why it's tremendously reassuring to know that Hebrews 13.8 says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and for the next six months. No? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't change. What an encouragement to realize 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. No matter how many promises has made, God has made, they are yes in Christ. In 2020, we faced bigger challenges than we ever have. But did any of those challenges in any way change even one promise God made? So if you've gotten discouraged... If you're distracted and disoriented, if you have anxiety about the future, you need to reset your faith because God's promises do not change. I have made you. I will carry you. I will sustain you. I will rescue you. Verse 5 says, To whom will you compare me or count me equal? To whom will you liken me that we may be compared? Some pour out gold from their bags. They weigh out silver on the scales. They hire a goldsmith and make it into a, a god. And they bow down and worship it. They lift it to their shoulders and carry it. They set it up in its place and there it stands. And from that spot it cannot move. And though one cries out to it, it does not answer. It cannot save him from his troubles. Remember this. Fix it in mind. Take it to heart, you rebels. Remember the former things, the things, those of long ago. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. That's good news in times of upheaval. upheaval. The danger may be intimidating, but don't forget that God's power can't be challenged. These verses describe the foolishness and futility of idolatry. Idols have no power to save. But when the Babylonians invaded Israel in 587 BC, it was in the name of their false gods for the glory of Bel and Nebo. And the media interpreted that as a humiliating defeat for Yahweh, the God of Israel. But as it turned out, rumors of his decline were greatly exaggerated. They didn't realize that God was still in control. Because God's power did not have an expiry date like the dairy products in the supermarket cooler, best before 587 BC. It's one thing to say God's promises don't change, but what if he doesn't have the power to implement them? Well, just look at his resume. For example, Romans chapter 1, verse 20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. An infinite universe testifies to the power of his omnipotence. 
Just think of it. If splitting the smallest particle of matter, an atom, can uh, release awesome power, what of the billions of galaxies spinning through the cosmos? How many megatons is that? I mean, there are giant suns a million times larger than ours, but they're just his nightlights. God's power is beyond calculation. And the Bible documents how God used that power on this planet, demonstrated it in the salvation of his people, in everything from the parting of the Red Sea to the resurrection, which answers the question of Genesis 18, 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? That's repeated in Jeremiah 32, 27. I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? We can summarize the message of the Bible in three words. God is able, no matter what it is. To whom will you compare me or count me equal? I am God. There is no other. There is none like me. And yet idolatry is still alive and well. But of course, these days, it's not focused on objects of metal and stone. These days, it's the idolatry of ideas, like political correctness. First, we find the vaccine, and then we can fix the other imperfections of a fallen world. And we've heard this happening and coming at us from, from the past. I remember Bill Clinton's famous statement, Everything that's wrong with America can be cured by everything that's right with America. Barack Obama abbreviated that and said, yes, we can. Is that true? Are we unstoppable? Well, 2020 answered that question. In 2020, it was, no, we can't. Can I do that? No, I, no you can't. Can I do that? No, no you can't. Human overconfidence is feeble and fragile. It cannot save us from our troubles. The motto should be, yes, God can. So if you've begun to doubt, if you feel vulnerable in the midst of forces you can't control, you need to reset your faith because God's power can't be challenged. I am God, there is no other, there is none like me. Verse 10, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand, I will do all that I please. From the east I summon a bird of prey, and from a far off land a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, that I will bring about, what I have planned, that will I do. If God's promises don't change and God's power can't be challenged, then we know that God's purposes can't be canceled. My purpose will stand. I will do most of what I intended. No, I will do all that I please. Now, 2020 <laughs> caught us by surprise. We did not see this coming. It's like that newspaper item that uh, 
announced that the monthly meeting of the Fortune Tellers Society had to be canceled due to unforeseen circumstances. Boy, that must have been embarrassing, right? But I know how they feel. I, I had no idea this was going to happen. And I have no idea what 2021 is going to be like. But God is never caught off guard. He's never perplexed by a series of unfortunate events because I make known the end from the beginning. God knows the future. And there is nothing that happened in 2020 that could in any way undermine his purpose. What I have said, I will bring about. What I've planned, that will I do. And to me, that is incredible. Because I've had my doubts this past year, I tell you. Because 2020 was such a devastating year for the church. You know, months of lockdown, no service on Easter Sunday, severely limited on Christmas Eve, fellowship is fragmented, believers are disconnected, the sheep are scattering. How will the church ever survive this? I don't know. But what I do know is Christ's purpose. Matthew 16, 18. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Did 2020 cancel that plan? Of course not. In fact, it's possible that after all this severe pruning, the church will be more fruitful than ever. And as for all those scattered sheep, I don't know what to do about that, but the good shepherd has got this. In John chapter 10, verse 2, the man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, notice that, all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. I can't put this all back together again. Nobody can. But the shepherd of the sheep will do it because the sheep know his voice. So nothing that we've experienced in our lifetime, which has so disrupted church fellowship as 2020, nothing can sabotage God's purpose. The voice of the good shepherd will bring back all the scattered sheep into the fold. So for the Hebrews in Babylon at the end of the empire, nothing had changed because those sheep would follow their shepherd into the future, follow him through the valley of the shadow of death, and eventually they would even return to rebuild the city walls and restore the temple. In fact, not even the horrors of the Holocaust could destroy God's purpose for his chosen people. Israel is back and open for business, baby. And the church will also survive and be stronger than ever because we won't be so watered down and weakened by compromise and mediocrity as we've been in the past. So if you've begun to despair, 
if you're wondering why, if it's still worth trying, if you're getting weary in well-doing, you need to reset your faith because God's purpose can't be canceled. Not by the pandemic, not by the great reset, not even by the Antichrist, and not even by all the decisions that are made at the gates of hell. God's purpose stands. Isaiah 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the earth. And Jesus will reign forever and ever. That's still the plan. And I love it. I love it when a plan comes together. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the fact that you have carried us, you have sustained us, and you rescued us. Thank you that uh, your power cannot be compared. No one can challenge you. No one can, can set aside any of your promises. So we want to enter this new year with the confidence of being the children of a heavenly father who will carry out his purpose to completion. The one who began the good work will carry it on until it's complete. And in this year, we need to hear the voice of our good shepherd and follow his voice wherever that leads because only he knows where he's going. And Lord, as we, uh, as we think about these things, we're reminded of the events that we celebrate at the Lord's table because that's where everything became so clear and in high resolution. That's where your promises were fulfilled. That's where your power was demonstrated through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And your plan, because of that, is to give us the assurance of eternal life through our faith in Jesus Christ. So Lord, we thank you for the Lord's table and the fact that we can celebrate together and remember what he did for us and that that was the decisive turning point of history and nothing will ever change that. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.